Hey, it's Alana. And Jacqueline. And welcome to another episode of Black and Yellow. Hi, guys. So we've got a good two-part series coming up for you. Mm-hmm. It's really summer appropriate, and it's going to get you all ready for your summer travels. Right. So here goes part one. Yeah. Traveling while colored. Ooh. Person of any color. Any color. <laughs> Purple, green. Yeah, we're going to be talking about racism in other countries. While, tr- when you are traveling. Traveling abroad, that Abroad, because I think out of your country internationally, because I don't think many people talk about that. I think it's sort of feeling racism in another country is definitely something different in a way. Yeah, I agree. It may feel like, it, it doesn't may always feel like racism because you're just not in your own country, even though it is. Right, you exactly. Know? It's sneaky. And then part two, we're going to talk about when you get to that country and yeah. how culture and how uh, travel tourism in other countries might not have necessarily caught up to the cultures that you are particularly used to. Yeah, I totally agree. So here goes part one. Yeah. All about racism and here travel. Hey, it's Alana. And Jacqueline. And welcome back to another episode of Black and Yellow. Hi, guys. Good to have you back. It's hot, hot, hot. But I like it that way. We like it that way. Me and you like the heat. Plus, we're coming off of a very exciting weekend mm-hmm. and a sad beginning of the week. Yes. So let's start with the exciting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yay. Oh. <sighs> uh, yeah. So I had my... I, I guess it's a preview, but I, I could still consider it my first show for my fringe play that I'm in. It was a show. I was in the audience. You had an audience. It was a show. Thank you so much for coming. It was wonderful to have you support me. It was a great play. Thank you. Thank you. Totally. It's, it's It's sort of a tragedy uh, in a way, which is what we're kind of going to talk to you about next, about the sad beginning. But but yeah, the play is sort of, just to simply let you guys know, it's sort of this, this character, Rose, that I play, who sort of... Uh, blames her her father for her mother's death, and she comes home after a year later, not having any much contact with her life, uh, her family, and she has a little sister on top of that, and just is sort of like ready to cause all kinds of mayhem. Yeah, I mean, she did. I think that your Freudian slip was actually very much correct because she she went away for a year and didn't really have much contact with the life that she used to know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's some multicultural aspects to it too, because your dad is white. Yes. And he, you lost your mother, Mm -hmm. very obviously Chinese. Yes. And then, and now this white man has shacked up with a younger, hotter white woman. Yes. So there's a lot of this sort of tension between the races, a lot of guilt, a lot of, a lot of somewhat racism as well in its, in its own way. Um, and uh, and yeah, it was super fun, and I've been having such a ball playing her. It was a great show. Thank you, Your thank little you. sister is hilarious. I love the the chemistry that both of you guys have together. Yeah, she's great. Shout out to Natasha. Woohoo! What up, Natasha? Hope you're listening. Hey, hey, hey. Fuchu with bourbon. I don't Fu think chow. we Fu Chow. Yeah, Fu Chow means revenge in Chinese. I don't think that we mentioned it on this episode. On no, this particular I, yeah. episode. So it's so called throughout the title. Thank you. It's called yeah, Fu Chow with bourbon because I'm sort of also drunk throughout the whole play, and there's a lot of alcohol involved which is classic right um, you swilling from a flask which yes. is a sight that i never thought i would I know to see right the day of, ever <laughs> there you go <laughs> it's a different side of me and if you guys are interested in going if there's any listeners here in la and hollywood who are artists who are just interested to see you could go to hollywoodfringe.org just search the title of the play f-u-c-h 
O-U, that's Fuchao with bourbon. Um, tickets are only $12, and then it all goes to, like, for a good cause. So um. Yeah, and the Fringe Festival is very similar to, like, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival yeah, that's that ha- happens in Scotland. Right, it, well, it originated from, from Edinburgh. And that's then right. It, and sort of just spread all over the States. Yeah. So it's super cool. Exactly. Yeah, it's all really supporting the artists and letting people do literally anything they want. Well, it's a fun week and a half, two weeks? It's is that a how long it is? Month. A month. All of June. Oh, it was yeah, longer than I thought. Yeah, it's all of June, and there's so many performances and so many little theaters that one woman show, literally dance things, there's cabaret. Musicals. Yeah, there's everything. Um, so it's super exciting to see some original work, and then there's an award ceremony. We have an opening night party tonight that I'm going to. Perfect. So it's just very all all in itself, really about creativity, and it's super fun. So. And LA doesn't really have a theater going. No culture like we're very much tv movie people obviously yeah because it is los angeles it is the land of the entertainment industry Mm -hmm. but it's cool to have this sort of event going on because a you do get to see a lot of works that you probably wouldn't otherwise see on stages in la totally whether the it's because the ideas are esoteric or there's not enough uh of a money machine behind them so to speak Mm -hmm. but it's also a cool place to discover like comics and actors and choreographers if you're into dance that you never really knew about so yeah congratulations to you go see food chat with bourbon you will not regret it (laughs) and if you go let us know how you like it jackie would love to hear your feedback and i'm just nosy i would like to hear it too (laughs) (laughs) so that was the happy weekend that was and then earlier this week, earlier this week, uh, we lost a very colorful, quirky, brilliant designer, visionary businesswoman. I call her a feminist icon. I don't know if she's ever considered herself a feminist, but we mm. lost Kate Spade. Yeah, it's quite sad. I'm sure you know of her. She is the the designer with all of the colorful, quirky handbags. Yeah. Bright, well made, well made, bright, vibrant stores, uh, and I believe her tag was "Live Colorfully," mm. and she definitely did that throughout her life, throughout her career, and she inspired not just businesswomen, but droves of generations of women coming up underneath yeah, her. Definitely young girls. Yeah, like, I remember seeing her fashion sense when I was just young I remember thinking like wow this is and it was classy you know super classy which I thought and I mean she built an empire before social media completely she did it from the ground up yeah she had a vision she embraced her unique uh view of the world her unique aesthetic and created something that millions of women all over the world responded to Mm -hmm. purchase continue to carry right Everyone wants, like, a Kate Spade bag. Everyone. Everyone. I think that that yearning started when I was, like, 12 or 13. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, same here. And I remember when some of them had them when I didn't yet, and I'd be Ugh. like, you have a Kate Spade bag? Right. It's like, ah, oh, like, you're so lucky. <laughs> like, right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And she ins- and I, what I also liked about her line was that it was affordable-ish. It, yeah, enough. Right? Nowadays, it's like, if you want a handbag, that could easily be a four-figure Yeah, like a Celine, investment. like a Birkin, like, yeah. that, like a Louis. Like well, a- Birkin's going to run you, like, five figures yeah, easy. thousands. Right. Yeah. But Kate Spade and her line made glamour and love luxury and functionality Mm -hmm. accessible for the everyday woman yeah which i think is really important yeah yeah (laughs) i think that sometimes even in in our in our 
fashion obsessed, consumer obsessed world that we live in today, I think that we forget about the middlemen or the little guys that want to feel just as luxurious mm-hmm. and want to afford just as beautiful of things as uh, yeah. those that can afford to spend money on premium designer. And I Absolutely. think that she didn't forget about those. Right. But early on, I feel like some designers are only starting to do that now. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, what a keen observation. Yeah, like like I know Vera Wang is in Kohl's and stuff like that, but it was mm-hmm. like, come on, every, like it took a while for her to even, you know what I mean? Well, I and like, we could get specific because simply Vera is not necessarily designed they, by Vera I Wang. I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know okay. what I mean? Like yeah. all of these um, I, designer sub-labels yes. that are for a more affordable audience aren't necessarily, necessarily. designed by mm. the designer themselves. Ah. It's usually a design team underneath them. I see what you mean. Designing things that, I, I think they get approval. Of course. But, you know, yeah. if you're saying, like, I'm wearing a Vera Wang, it's the assumption the is Vera herself created oh. it from her mind and, yeah. like, had a hand in helping it all come together. Definitely. And, Vera's a very busy woman. Oh, she is. I don't know if she has time to, like, design every T-shirt in Kohl's. <laughs> It'd be great if she did, though. Right. I mean, but even that, it's like she's obviously trying to reach out to some sort of, like you said, like, middleman, like, mm-hmm. someone who maybe doesn't can't afford it. But I think, like, Kate Spade did that sort of early on before all of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, she left behind a daughter. Which is tough. Yeah. I think her daughter's like 13, 14, 15, somewhere oh, in there. And oh, my gosh. I think when I read the story at first, I was like, oh, my God, that daughter. I cannot imagine what this daughter is going through, that developing <sighs> mind. Still right. young, but like not toddler right. young. But but young enough to where your mother used to really need your mother. You yeah. Know? yeah. Like there comes a time where your mother transitions to maybe becoming your friend, a confidant, and every mom needs her mother. But it's when you're 13 Oh, that's mm-hmm. that's so tragic. It, that breaks my heart. It's like a limb just like yeah, chopped, chopped off, off, never coming back. Yeah. With so that being said, um, thank you, Kate. Yeah. For the just art, wanna, the products, the beauty that you gave to the mm-hmm. world. Just want to send out a little acknowledgement Love. to the universe mm-hmm. that we appreciate and appreciated and still will appreciate your work and that we hope wherever your soul is that it's um happier yeah yeah i think we also would be remiss to not mention that if you are someone who is struggling with mental health and we just we just we just did, did mental, uh, we just well, recorded a summer episode yeah about Mental, mental health, health and mental health wellness. So this and is just all too timingly. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but um, reach that'll out. That'll come out later on in the summer. But yeah. please reach out. I'm like going through my phone to pull up the uh, the safety prevention hotline number. Um, yeah, if you're going through something, remember, you don't have to struggle in peace. There's nothing wrong with reaching out for mental help, mental rescue, mm-hmm. uh, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Lifeline, excuse me, not hotline, <laughs> Lifeline, is there for you. And if you need some help, give them a call. Their number is 1-800-273-8255. Take care of your mental health, y'all. Like, it's the most important yeah. thing. So today's episode, we is a preparedness episode, I guess you could say. Preparedness for traveling? For traveling. Yes, I'm like, preparedness for... <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, school's ending, 
people are planning summer vacations because it's summertime and travel and summer go together like peanut butter and jelly. I already have like four or five friends that are out of this country or have gone to different countries. I think I have one. I think my friend Aileen is out of the country. Mm. But I think that's the only one that has left so far. But yes, like travel season is definitely here. In. (laughs) It is in. It's trending. And it's going to keep going until what, beginning of September? Uh, Labor Day weekend? Is that like the cutoff? That's supposedly it. Yeah. Okay. I think schools start a little sooner now, but it's still, it's, yeah, it's usually June, July, August, like the three months of summer. Got it. Yeah. I come back from Burning Man like after Labor Day. So that's always my cutoff. (laughs) It's not summer anymore because Burning Man's over. I also think too, like in our industry, everything slows down in the summer. Yeah, we rarely have as nowhere near as many auditions or self tapes or anything right. like that. So it's a great time. Even you know, people who are head of studios go on vacation because everything totally. slows down. So it's perfect timing for us, definitely as well, career wise. <laughs> Just so that you guys all know, when we take vacations, it'll probably be during the summertime. But while you travel, you can listen to us in your ears. Totally, yeah. yes, you could totally binge listen to us. As you are traveling. You don't need the internet. Just have all the episodes downloaded before. Binge us. Mm -hmm. We will gratefully... Uh, provide you with all kinds of podcasts. Plenty of of stimulating thoughts and uh, perceptions. Perspectives. Perspectives, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) or perceptions of perspectives. There you go. Totally. Inception of the perception. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. I don't have a witty comeback for that. All right, all right. Um, So all of those things said, generally when people read, white people, um, plan where to travel, I think there's a couple of base questions that are asked. What kind of terrain am I looking for? Do I want something more city? Do I want something beachy and tropical? Do I want something that's cold? Do I want something that is off the grid? Do I want Mm -hmm. something that's rural? Exotic, different. totally. There's that question. Yeah. Then there's the question of how much money do I want to spend? Yes. Which also sort of helps oh, to right. Which a down. lot of times may not necessarily determine, but can can make or break, you know, just mm-hmm. like, well, going to Rome, maybe might round trip cost 1200 but right. going somewhere else might just be right under 1000 And mm-hmm. so the round trip ticket is, you know, yeah. that's the one. Yeah. Then there's the activity factor. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do with this place? How long are we going to be there? Kid friendly. Yeah. You know, teenager friendly. Definitely. Adult, if you're a lot older, is it too hip? <laughs> or not hip enough. Or not hip enough. Really <laughs> uh, and then I think f- the sub considerations would be like food. If you are somebody that likes to travel for a food related destination yes, or if you are someone that has food mm, problems. That's me right here. And can't. Oh, okay. I, I can't. I you're, you're the opposite. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you're vegan or vegetarian, Alana's vegetarian, then that might affect that you're not going to go somewhere a place where they just have car- carnivores and you exactly. a lot of steak. You would suffer. Totally. You'd lose like 10 pounds. Exactly. Which you don't need to lose no 10 thanks. pounds. <laughs> um, Shopping might be a concern. Yes. Concern or a test- or like a, not like a concern, but like when I went to Japan. A consideration. Like, a consideration. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Because I'm like, yes, I'm going to shop all day. Yeah. Perhaps yeah. mode of transport. Do you want to fly? Do you want to take the train? Do you want to? Is there transportation available? Because sometimes if you're in the countryside, you don't have it. You have to rent a car. How do you rent a car? Can you drive a scooter? All of this stuff. Is there a subway system? Is there a public transportation system? Is it safe? How do you get there? Do you have to buy a car? I know. You know, there's so it's a lot. Man, talking about it. 
getting all stressed you, out. Have you ever wanted to be a travel agent? I think you'd be a good one. <sighs> my aunt is. Oh, okay. oh, so then you you understand? Yeah. Well, I've also traveled a lot, so okay. like, I know. But but it's I'm like talking about it. I'm like all stressed out. I've traveled a good <laughs> amount. I think that you've traveled extensively more, way more than I have. But I've hit most of yeah, the major countries. You have. I haven't hit any of the Asian countries, and I haven't been to. You haven't been to any of any of Asia? No. Well, I'm surprised. I I am too. Actually, we've just never talked about. It. I've never asked you. Well, now you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's now on my travel list. destinations list. It, right. I just have never made it there. Huh. So that's there. generally where the considerations end. Yes. However, if you are a minority, there's another question that you are faced with. And that question is often, will I face racist abuse when I get to the country of my choosing? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a thing that people of color, when I say people of color, I don't just mean black people. I do mean Asian people. I do mean Hispanic people, um, native Indian Pacific yeah. Islander. Yeah, yeah. These are questions. That, that, that is, a, that question is a question I should say, I should say that, that minorities, minorities do, do consider. consider. It's a question that people with skin that is not white definitely consider when picking a destination to travel to. Now, for some people listening, that might seem extreme. Like, oh, what? You're going to let the color of your skin stop you from exploring the world? And, yeah! I mean, there's definitely some dangerous places to travel in the world that are not safe, not just for people of color, and not just for black people, but, like, for people that don't look white. Yeah, I agree. And we're here to talk about it today. Yeah. So, to start off... I think it's important to highlight the most racist countries for minorities to travel to. Mm. And we'll sort of get specific on each one. So at the top of the list, I don't think this is any surprise, Russia. (laughs) Russia is... I have no desire to go to Russia. Yeah, Russia has never made it onto my like A, B, or C travel list. No KGB people. I don't want to meet Nazis. I don't want to... Sorry, not Nazis. That's Germany. (laughs) Oops, my bad. Um... I just don't want to go to Russia. Like, there's never necessarily... It's cold. It's cold. I literally was just going to say that. It's freezing. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. The people are beautiful. The food is interesting. I like... You were mentioning people people who travel for food destinations, mm-hmm. and I was like, that's me, that's me. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of Russian food. It's just... Yeah, yeah. And the Russia politics of it is yeah. is not necess- It's not only safe for people of color. It's also not safe for the LGBT traveler. Yeah, they are so anti-gay. Very it much is, with the whole Olympic stuff. They yeah. are extremely anti-gay. Yeah, they're very um, anti-gay. They're very anti-black. Mm-hmm. But if you are listening and you are black and you must go to Russia, right. you're like, I cannot die without you going feel to like Moscow. You you're Russian on the inside somehow. Yeah. Go, uh, the recommendation is to go, stay within the big city. So yeah. stay, within Ru- stay within Moscow because apparently St. Petersburg is like not... Really? Yeah, St. Petersburg apparently is not great for black, black people. people. Wow. Um, but if you are going to make your way to Russia, the recommendation is to stop by the U.S. Embassy in Russia. They have their own separate division huh. uh, for American travelers. Cool. They want to know who you are because apparently they get a lot of complaints on how uh, American travelers, especially black American travelers, get a lot of threats hurled mm. their way. And so there's a whole separate wing of the American travel embassy devoted towards combating exactly that. Oh, wow. Okay, good to know. So if you are black and you want to go to Russia, go to Moscow. Yeah. I think everything else is uh, pretty 
hands off. Yeah, but that was a concern during the Olympics, even though we were like amazing Olympic athletes, not just black people, yeah. but yeah. people of color. Uh, the fear yeah. was, yeah, don't just just do your event and uh, go back to the keep your head low and keep your head low. Yeah. Exactly. So another one that made me really sad was Greece. Greece, the black people. Yeah. Yeah, Greece recently had, I believe his name was Bakari Henderson. He was beaten to death in Athens last year. He was an American college graduate, obviously black. Wow. Traveled to Greece, specifically Athens. And uh, yeah, he was beaten to death. It was definitely a racially motivated um, attack. Wow. I guess p- friends, some people were saying, oh, it wasn't racially motivated. He was taking pictures with a waitress in a, an inappropriate way mm-hmm. and some Greece Grecian nationals thought that was not cool mm-hmm. and uh, proceeded to like beat him to death. Wow. Yeah, but Greece has been having, since the economy is taking a turn for the worst in Greece, Greece has been... Yeah, Greece is get, like, that, they're, they're fucked up. Right, right exactly. And um, I am looking for... Okay, so the U.S. Embassy in Greece has warned Americans traveling to Greece to be wary of, quote, a rise in unprovoked harassment and violent attacks against persons who, because of their complexion, are perceived as foreign immigrants. U.S. citizens most at risk are those of African, Asian, Hispanic, or Middle Eastern descent in Athens and other major cities, cautions the embassy in a statement first posted on its website last November. Wow. So, yeah, Greece, uh, Greece, Greece, no bueno. And Greece makes me sad because I've always wanted to go to Greece. Me too. It's beautiful there. I'm definitely a. I love the Greek culture, though. I really like, like, how big of, like, and loud and boisterous they kind of are and the mm-hmm. family and the food and, and just by, they, right by the ocean. Like, it's just got this whole, like, Mediterranean lifestyle that I really admire. I like a tropical destination when yeah, I travel. Me too. And so this was high on my list because I wanted to go to Mykonos and Santorini. Yeah. And uh, granted, it, a lot of these attacks happen in Greece or in, and Athens. Excuse me. Um, I just feel like if that is the attitude that's brewing in mm-hmm. anywhere in Greece, I, it's just best to stay yeah. out for now. I don't. I'm not reckless with my life. Like right, no, I'm, I won't pretty do that. Darn responsible, but I. I think it might get better. So maybe that's just in the, not. If that's still on your list to travel, just maybe not right away. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully. So yeah. the next one is Germany. Germany. I'm I have so to surprised. say, I have no desire of, to go to Germany. Well, I'm going at the beginning oh, yeah, of July. Oh um, <gasps> And in prep for this show, I have to say when I. When Germany kept coming up as a, a, a travel destination that was not safe for black people, my heart fell just because I've been so I've full disclosure. I'm taking a trip to Europe. I leave at the end of this month and I'm gone um, until the middle of July. And uh, it's France and Germany. And but there's a lot of black people in, in France. Well, we'll get to that because there's a lot of Africans. Africans. In yes. France. Yes. Not necessarily a lot of African-Americans. And that is something that we'll talk about later on, because I think that there's a confusion in a lot of people's minds that because we share a similar complexion we share a culture Mm. that is not the truth no not at all you'd be surprised how many people think you have black skin that person has black skin you guys must understand each other just because we share a complexion it's amazing you don't share the same passport we don't share the same culture and because we share a complexion that is not some sort of instant pipeline to connection no not at all i think it that's so okay we could get into it later go on what were you saying so germany um nazis uh germany is another place on this list uh 
the the travel companion that I'm going with is one of my best friends. Her name is Shannon, white female, and uh, she's been to Berlin a lot, and so she helped sort of cool my nerves about mm. this particular matter. Uh, there are certain places in Berlin that are not safe to go to, but apparently they're very far east. I see. And it's not necessarily a place that tourists go anyways. Uh-huh. So um, and those places were like Hellerdorf and Mazpan and Bradenburg, I believe I'm saying that right, which apparently are, are pretty far east and uh you won't be going that far east i i don't think we're going to be going that far east well definitely not after this episode but germany german officials have also been accused of uh some racial profiling Mm. uh practices that go down there Uh and we can also get to that later on in the episode too but uh yeah german officials have come under fire for for that kind of a thing i see so we'll we'll venture we'll circle back to this hold on i have to see (laughs) Bless you, Jackie. Hey. <laughs> I just had to pause the recording because I'm not sure what that sounds like in someone's ear. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah. So, moving forward, Spain. Now, Spain made this list, I think, because of the discrimination to darker-complected Africans. So, again, you see the difference between yeah. Africans and African-Americans. Yes. I think just an overall, this is my opinion, overall, just Americans in general, mm-hmm. though, too. I know we could get into this more later, but I know a lot of foreign places generally don't like Americans. No. And then on top of that, african American. Just adds another layer. Yeah, and I think specifically Africans are a demographic of that that I feel like when I travel into foreign waters are constantly hated on. Mm. Like constantly, constantly, constantly. Um, I remember when I went to Paris with my parents, I think I was 13 or 14, and we were at a clothing store. We were checking out, and it, was, it wasn't it was a super high-end clothing store, but it wasn't like a dollar store. It was like a very fair price for well-made goods kind of clothing store. And there was a, a, an African couple in front of us, man and woman and their small child. And it was my first time ever seeing seeing racism against someone who in my 13 14 year old brain i thought looked like me mm-hmm. because the checkout woman was so short and not welcoming and the customer service on her end was super poor mm. towards these people and the minute that she started rigging us up her entire demeanor changed welcoming you know welcoming for french people yeah <laughs> warm jovial Yay. talkative not quick not short and um I had known what racism was, but I guess that was my first taste of... Like international racism. Well, I guess I'd call it like selective xenophobia, Ah, if you will. Interesting. Uh, Maybe there's a word that I'm not aware of, but yeah, I I think I'm... I'm going to call it selective xenophobia for the moment because Africans are foreign to French people. They're foreign to France and that's not where they're from. Um, But our kind of African-American, I think that the checkout woman very clearly saw like, oh, these people are from here. These people are from the United States. So the culture is different. They have more X, Y, and Z than those people from Mm. Africa. Mm -hmm. But um, I'll get to... I'll talk about why and how it's maybe so difficult for black people and Africans to sort of forge friendships. Okay. Because um, I think that there is an assumption that we, we're both dark-skinned. Yeah. You must understand each other. and uh, That's not always the case. That's not always the case. Uh, anywho, moving along. Uh, another country that showed up on this list was Thailand. Hmm. Thailand apparently is a place where discrimination is not frowned upon. Discrimination is totally legal. 
you can discriminate on someone based on the color of their skin, their ethnicity, their nationality. Those Thai people don't give a fuck. Apparently, you can do that. Um, not surprised. And not only you can discriminate not just from like hotels and restaurants, but like other small businesses. Mm. Um, if there's any Lincoln Park fans listening. In 2010, Mike Shinoda of Lincoln Park and Ribcat of Fort Minor were notified by a hotel manager of the hotel that their bandmates and them, presumably, were staying at, uh, that they were not allowed there because blacks and Indians were not allowed to stay there. So the white band members could stay there, but they, specifically Mike Shinoda, who's like, stop. It's like Chester and Mike and then the rest of Lincoln fucking Park can't stay there. Um, so messed up. To me, super duper mind blowing. (laughs) And then to round out this list, Italy. Italy was another place that was not only discriminatory, discriminatory to Africans, but also Asian people. But I've heard there's a lot of Asian people in Italy. That live there or that travel there? That live there. That doesn't mean that they can't face yeah. racism. No, though. I know. I, I just find it fascinating how, like, you would, you know what I mean? Just the idea of many people living there, they might already have some sort of exposure to being around Asian people, but then it's maybe different. It's like that. It's like the same thing you said. Maybe they don't, because, like, because you share the same skin doesn't really mean you share the same culture. You right. Know? And so maybe if their neighbor is Asian, they know that they're Asian, but that they're really Italian. And that this person is Asian, but they're, like, Asian from Asia. Right. And that makes all the difference. Totally. In a, in a strange way, apparently. Cause... Yeah, I mean, in prep for this episode, I definitely read a couple of Asian female accounts. Specifically Asian female. Yes, most, me too. They were all female. They were all female, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Very few male accounts. I'm not quite sure why yeah. that is. I don't either. But mostly Asian female talking about facing racism in Italy. But gen- in general, Asian women facing a lot of fetishization mm-hmm. while traveling. I, uh, yeah, I, I completely agree. And like, let's get it straight. Asian people travel. A lot. Asian people make up a huge chunk of tourism. Yes. Nationally and internationally. Yes. Y'all assholes be on planes, <laughs> spending money, getting your culture on. And it makes sense for a culture that that really focuses on education and experience Mm -hmm. travel makes is it's like both of that in too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally. For sure. Um, but yeah, I was, it was interesting that the fetishization of Asian women happened a lot overseas. Yeah. 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 So traveling. What? Not surprised. We're still, we're fetished here. We're fetishized everywhere. Like, I guess the interesting thing that I found regarding Asian travel is I think it to me it almost felt like Asian people received more racism here in the United States mm-hmm. than internationally. Than internationally. And that was an interesting thing to sort of learn for me. Huh, I didn't think about that. Because I do think that the rest of the world is used to seeing Asian people. All right, yeah, is used to seeing Asian people. Yes, more, yeah, for sure. For sure, more than Americans. For sure, way more than black Americans. For sure. Also, too, because I think we've also spread out a lot and, like, have made it some places their homes, have made Italy their homes, France their homes, like, Mm -hmm. more than maybe Americans or blacks on top of that. Totally. You know? But our tour, tourism board, uh, in terms of the U.S., like has a lot to do in terms of catching up to yeah. Asian tourists. But we'll yeah. talk about that a little bit later on yeah. in the episode. Yeah. So I've mentioned before, you know, how much I've traveled extensively and just how multicultural I am because of my mom immigrating. But um, 
in Brazil, you know, I've never really felt too much of racism just because they're actually in the city, at least in mm-hmm. Sao Paulo, there's a big Japanese community. Oh, I didn't. Oh, um, I would huge. have never thought the, that. The biggest population outside of Japan is actually in Brazil. They just celebrated. Holy shit. Yeah. A hundred years of, wow. of being in Brazil. So th- there is this racist thing that they think all tra- Asian people are Japanese and they'll like call you Japanese. And it's sort of like, it's sort of like how Hispanics will call like any Asian person, like a Chinita, like oh, that. And like a Korean okay. person, like they'll get, you know, Got it's it. that. But in Brazil, it's Japanese. Got it. Yeah. So it's like that version, um, which I've, I've had before. Many people just call me Japanese and it's sort of like not cool. But as far as hmm. feeling racism in Brazil, because I'm Asian, mm-hmm. I haven't experienced that because A, I'm Brazilian and B, I speak the language, which I think instantly... Um, snaps know. them into yeah. oh she's one of us not an other exactly yeah um in france however um well i was studying french in high school and my french french pronunciation was fairly good because i spoke portuguese Got it. so a lot of the times the, the little french that i spoke i was able to sort of get by mm-hmm. and people did think i was french for like a quick hot minute mm. but in other areas where my french wasn't i couldn't use it that well or i was in stores and i could yeah. they could hear me speaking english it was so bizarre because I was also young. I went to France. I went to France twice, but the first time that I went, it was only for like two weeks, and uh, I was in high school, and uh, I felt like when I was in those stores, just like browsing, like shopping, that I've never felt that before. That they they were eyeing me like I was gonna steal something, like they oh. w- like they were watching me like a fucking hawk. Like interesting. That was probably the the first moment where I was like, I'm just a 13 year old girl mm-hmm. looking at a scarf, and I felt really uncomfortable, and I could feel it, and it wasn't like a pleasant energy or vibe, or even like, well, how you know, like you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, we've all been there, but 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 just feeling that at a young age and thinking like. I'm lady, I'm not going to steal anything. If anything, I'm bringing you business, but clearly you don't want my business, mm-hmm. you know? And just very very strange from coming from America where it's like, "Hi, welcome. Yeah. You want they want you there," you know? A black person would say, "Girl, I feel you." Yeah. Yeah, cuz that's a super common uh black experience while traveling. For sure. Especially if you're in a country that's not used to seeing someone that looks like you. Yeah. Cuz sometimes racism and rareism are can seem like they're the same thing, but they're not. Oh, I see what you mean. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know in the research for the show, I did come across a couple of African-American-based travel blogs, Mm -hmm. and all of them said when I went to, like, an Asian country, for instance, like, I was looked at a lot, I was stared, and it was all, but everyone was super polite and respectful, but it was a look of, we don't get many of you here. Yeah. Like, what is going on? Right, versus, like, Versus a little bit of both, where it's like, not only do we not get a lot of you here, but I also don't want you here. Yes. You know? And then you have to ask yourself, is it, do they not want us here because they have only been, they've only experienced stereotypes of what we are, uh-huh. and they're going off of that? Yeah. Or do they feel like we're trying to take something from them? Yeah, that or we don't belong there. Yeah. Which B, or, or which A, it's like, anybody can come and 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 travel and see because they have the right to right so i think it's not really it's super not nice but at the same time it's just it's strange because then you have you're in a very maybe touristy area obviously you're Mm -hmm. in paris so what you know what i mean like it's just 
it's just very strange. And then just like being there and seeing people, you know, look at us because we're speaking English yeah. or just um just not very feeling the not very welcomed mm-hmm. um was very bizarre to me only because I had felt that I was very multicultural and so and very sort of international yeah, in that way. Yeah. Very cosmopolitan. Yeah, and then when I was when I went to this country you know, they're known for not liking Americans. They're known right. for not liking tourists. They're known right. just for that. And then actually experiencing that and feeling the racism behind that mm-hmm. was something very new. And um, and I don't, like, I don't, I mean, I've been there twice. The second time I was there, I stayed for a much longer time because I was doing a theater program. Um, But that was, like, enough for me. Like, yeah. I don't really feel like I need to go. People are always like, I want to go to Paris and see the Eiffel Tower. And I'm like... I get it. I've, and, like, maybe I went when I was... And maybe because I, I went there when I was really young, the desire to go there as an adult should be maybe more normal, Or, but I really don't, like... Well, I think everyone has a right to desire to travel to wherever they want to travel yeah. to. And if you're, and if that first experience was of enough. Paris was not great, if it yeah. was colored really poorly, I mean, I could understand not wanting to go back. Yeah. Totally. And my second time was still great and amazing and I had a fabulous time, but it just, it wasn't like, you know, it just wasn't like, oh yeah, I had a great time. Yeah. T- I definitely hear what you you're know. saying. Um, In prep for the show, reading a bunch of uh african-american female blogs one thing that jumped out to me was that italy was a really problematic and difficult difficult place for them to travel to Mm. because i guess uh with (laughs) similar to our american culture i guess italians conflate african-american girlhood and african-american womanhood it's like where they sort of combine the two and assume that we are in an a very sexual being from a very young age. So I oh. guess prostitution is something that African-American women, the the inquiries for prostitution is something that African-American women traveling to Italy incur a lot and have to fend off Wow, quite often, which definitely took me aback and by yeah. surprise. Yeah. Um, I, I mentioned that because I could see if any of those women wanted to travel back to Italy it would be colored in a really distasteful way because mm-hmm. no one wants to go on vacation and be like, no, I'm not going to have sex with you for money. Right. Like, that's not... That's not a thing. No, definitely not. But African-Americans traveling abroad definitely do face a, a lot of similar um, racial incidents that they may experience here in the United States. Some, like, you know, cabs refusing to pick them up, mm-hmm. being followed around stores or shopping destinations, as you talked about, being overcharged at restaurants for no real reason. Wow. So, or if we're just staying in the vein of restaurants, uh, being ignored by servers who prefer to defer to white patrons or at least patrons that look like them and believe mm-hmm. that they share a culture. Uh, being stopped by cops and given the rundown just because you are black or a person of color getting turned away from nightclubs while others are welcomed in hotels refusing to provide rooms being stopped and asked for pictures because the citizens in the country have never seen a person of our nationality so they want to sort of immortalize it Wow! and then uh, pointing and staring so those are just a few of the things that black people incur while traveling abroad and you can see how that would make someone think really long and hard about uh, about yeah where and why and how and should they and and really be very careful right with with um with that i mean yeah, that's so unfortunate. Yeah, and, and it should not be that way. No, and I guess there are some countries like Germany in particular is a country that I guess has laws 
preventing discrimination based on looks, but the laws aren't necessarily um, for um follow they're not yeah. really enforced enforced i was gonna say fortified and so it's kind of a structural issue where yeah. even if you go to a country and it has laws against discrimination how do you follow that but they're not enforced how do you follow that yeah exactly you know what and i mean what how the, do you feel safe yeah and what if the whole the, the security guard or the cop or the people in enforcement themselves have these discrimination issues right or don't you take know? your claim seriously yeah what then do what? you then do yeah uh, so that's a scary one. I think I want to go back to to talking about Africans and African Americans uh-huh. just for a second because I think that they're. I want to mention that listen, not all African American people dislike Africans, but there is a strong group of African Americans that do harbor hostile feelings towards Africans because the belief is that we do not share a culture, we do not share a history. Yeah, you're very different. Yeah, Africans can't necessarily understand slavery and the tragedy that was slavery and how it still affects us as African Americans today. Granted, Africans have colonial rule and they had apartheid, but yeah. that... Well, and those... they have, I mean, intense, they have a civil war that's just still there. So. Definitely, yeah. but some African Americans would say, yeah, but slavery is a big part of being a black American in the US and if you don't understand that, mm-hmm. and when I say understand, I mean feel it. Yeah. Like on a carnal, visceral level, right. if you don't get that because yeah. you're just reading about slavery in a history book. Yeah. So the pain is not really felt. Yeah, or even if like maybe there is an African who has traveled who is because when I went to France I heard like I met like a couple gone like Ghanaians. Mm-hmm. I met like a lot of people. I heard a lot of African on the subway and the taxis. Right. Like it was really interesting to me and be like wow and they were like really really african you know like Mm -hmm. like just like the accents everything you could hear it um and and it was cool like very multicultural in that sense yeah but i but i can only imagine like maybe these africans maybe they even they haven't or if any experienced any racism in their entire life in a a way not like not dramatically like coming to the u.s and all that slavery stuff but like let's say they are very at home you know in some places in france you know they they probably not as much and that that's interesting to think about that it is that that is an interesting thing to think about and i definitely couldn't answer that i mean i do remember on this trip with my parents at 13 or 14 um there's a universal sign that black people give to other black people which is like a universal head nod it's a way of being like hey what's up my brother i see you what's up my sister i see you just like just a nod and like even on the streets of la or really just in the U.S., if I do, if I am passing a black person down the street, I will always nod, if not open up my mouth and say hello. That, to me, is just really normal. Wow. And I remember on this trip, my dad giving that head nod, that universal hello to certain Africans, and they would avert eye contact. Whoa. Like, no nod back, avert eye contact. And, like, that's a small example of, like, we as African Americans, that is an understood thing. That's we so see each other, we acknowledge each other. If you don't acknowledge us back, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Or like you're playing by a different cultural yeah. guidebook that we don't play with. Wow. But in general, it's been I mean, Africans and African Americans establishing friendships, even if you think about it in the US, like it's not super common. No. Like we're not necessarily taught the most favorable things about the other 
nationality. I didn't even think about that. We yeah. don't really know a ton about the other. And so Yeah, and does one look down on the other more, you know, because And maybe. I think that's like African American family and culture and upbringing to another African American family culture and upbringing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's I within the culture. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's about exposure. Not yeah. every African American is exposed to African culture. Yeah, no, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. And so I just wanted to touch on that because I think that there's this assumption of like, y'all look alike. You guys must get along, especially when you travel. There's always someone else out there that looks like you. And yeah, that's not true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's sort of deceiving in a way. And I think when you experience it traveling, it sort of can be sort of like a shock of like, wait, I thought we were all brothers and sisters. Or wait, I thought uh, you had my back. I had your back kind of thing. Right. And I think I've said this on the show before. Like, I do think that. African-Americans maybe have a more romanticized view of Africa and its people mm. and our perceived connection mm. with its people than is than is actually true. Right. Right. Definitely. That is and I don't know if the same could be said for Africans and their perceptions of us, us. as African-Americans. I don't yeah. know. Right. Uh, but all that said, when traveling abroad as a person of color, I think the one thing that that always sticks into my mind is um skin tone and family background that's your ethnicity mm-hmm. right your the manner in which you were raised the values that were instilled in you growing up that's your culture but when traveling internationally to me it has always seemed as though your race is the way that the world perceives you and in return the way that you represent yourself yes has always been how i have felt about race while traveling while traveling so that's going to wrap out this first episode. It's two-parter. We got the second episode coming your way next week. We've covered essentially before you get to a travel destination. Right. But what happens when you get there? Yep. We're going to cover that in part two of Traveling Wild Colored on Black and Yellow. This episode was produced by Christian Humes at Zeitheist. I am Alana Webster. You can find me at the gram at on the gram at at Renegade of Fun. I'm Jacqueline Chung Young on Instagram and we look forward to having you hear the second part of this Um, and happy travels everyone. Yeah, happy travels and happy summer. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye guys.